This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. Welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Deitch. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. Two guests this episode, two very, very prominent people when it comes to the College Football National Championship, which features Michigan versus Washington, Monday, January 8th. You'll be listening to that today, 7.30 p.m. on ESPN. Our guests are Bill Bunnell, who is a coordinating producer for ESPN and has worked in sports broadcasting for four decades he is the main or lead producer on the Michigan-Washington game. He has been ESPN's lead college football producer for many, many years. He is uh, he's in the production truck when Kirk Herbstreit and Chris Fowler are on for ABC's Saturday Night Football. Should have had Holly Rowe in there as well. And Bill has done every college football playoff national championship game since 2014. He is joined by Jimmy Platt. Jimmy Platt is the the lead director for the Michigan-Washington National College Football Championship. His experience includes directing Monday Night Football for four seasons, directed a lot of NFL, men's and women's college basketball, MLB. This is his debut for a National College Football Championship. And we went behind the scenes just in terms of what their jobs are, what makes this game unique for a production crew like themselves, how having additional equipment, such as cameras, changes the equation for these guys, how they decide on crowd shots or when not to decide on crowd shots, and how they define success or how they will define success for a broadcast. So a little something behind the scenes for you on this episode. Bill Bunnell and Jimmy Platt, the producer and director of the National Championship Game in college football. All right. As I said at the top, um, very excited to have these two gentlemen as guests. I, I like these kind of podcasts. Obviously, I talk to a lot of on-air people, but when I can speak to producers and directors and editors, um, I usually end up learning something, which to me makes this podcast at least interesting for me. Bill Bunnell is a coordinating producer for ESPN, and he has worked in sports and entertainment television for four decades. 
He's currently the lead college football producer uh, who has oversight of ABC's Saturday Night Football and the College Football Playoff National Championships. Um, Bill has produced Saturday Night Football with Chris Fallon and Kirk Herbstreet since 2006. He's done every college football playoff national championship since 2014. So really, almost nobody else on earth in terms of production who knows more about putting on a college football national championship than Bill Bunnell. Jimmy Platt is the lead director for ESPN's college football. He will be in the production truck with Bill coming Monday night. His experience includes directing four seasons of ESPN's Monday Night Football. He's been on the NFL, college football, men's and women's college basketball, MLB and lacrosse. He can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this may be the first college football championship he has directed. They are here because... It is number one, Michigan versus number two, Washington, Monday, January 8th at 7.30 p.m. ET on ESPN. There's obviously a lot of mega cast options as well. I am almost out of breath, Jimmy and Bill, and I am pleased that you are joining me on the Sports Media Podcast. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Richard. It's great to be here with you. Jimmy, was I correct that this will be your first national championship that you're directing? The first one Okay, uh, on the football side. All right, so before I get to sort of my uh, big picture questions, um, you know, it's rare, right, for someone who's had your kind of career to have a, a first of this kind of magnitude. You've obviously directed significant uh, sporting events before, but like, is it nerves? Is it ang- is it anxiousness? Is it a combination of all things? Because you know, this is pretty cool. You you now enter rarefied air as one of the very few people sort of on this planet who's directed the National College football championship for you know the major media rights holder yeah i mean it's certainly humbling uh, when you reflect back and look at you know where you've come from along your career lines uh, i wouldn't really say there's nerves or uh, anything like that because quite frankly if you don't get nerves going into just the week two football game you do before the ball gets in the air um you know you're probably not in the right frame of mind um and i wouldn't say nerves so much that you're worried about what's going to happen just you're, you're excited for the work you've done all week to prepare yourself to execute when the ball is kicked in the air. To me, the, the most stressful part of the job is always the preparation. The execution part is, is the fun part. Uh, so that just makes it super enjoyable, and I really look forward to that. So you have that little anticipation buildup. Uh, but once the ball is in the air, um, you're just doing what you've done for so long. Uh, you just go back to you know those things and the fundamentals that got you there. One of the things is, you know, that Jimmy said is preparation, you know, for big games like this or any game during the regular season, you know, when you're prepared and you know you're ready to go in and do the game, there's no nerves involved. It's just execution at that point. And you know that you're, you've done everything you can to prepare for the game and to put the the best broadcast on possible. And nobody prepares better than Jimmy. I mean, I you know, I sat next to him all season long. And uh, I'm really thrilled to be doing this game with Jimmy on Monday night. All right, Bill, I want to stick with you. Uh, This is a very broad question, so take as much time as you want to answer it. What is unique about producing a national championship college football game? Well, unique, um, it's, it's, I would say, you know, it's really like the Super Bowl of college football in that, you know, it's 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 really the uh, you know the championship. It's really all about the players and the teams, 
in the fact that they get a chance to play for a national championship, one game, uh, you know, 60 minutes, two teams that have prepared all season long. And, um, you know, that that's, you know, we haven't always had that for college football. It's always been, you know, different last 10 years we have, but, you know, I, th- I think that's what's unique about it is that now it's one game for all the marbles, you know, it's like, that to me is, you know, and it's about the players and the teams and, and the coaches and and all that. Bill, are, are things different from your preparation for this game versus like a week three game, whether it's something um, that you do, whether it's how you run meetings with people, whether it's the directions that you give, what is what is different if there is something different or many yeah, things that, different? Yeah, that, that's a great question, Richard. Yeah. I, you know, as I told Jimmy, because this is the first season we're working with each other, um, you know, I, I, you know, for one thing, I'm like Bill Parcells. I mean, I, I'm so superstitious about everything and, and all that. So I do not like to break routine. Um, I, uh, I want to keep everything the same. So basically I keep the same schedule as if we're doing a week three game during the regular season. You know, we, you know, meet, you know, have our typical meeting with Kirk Herbstreet, um, you know, leading up to the game. We have a meeting with Chris Fowler. Um, you know, we, uh, you know, meet with the teams. We go to practice. We meet with the teams. I have the same exact exact meeting that we have on Saturday Night Football. So on Monday at 10 a.m., we're all going to gather in the hotel, have our hour meeting, and then leave for the stadium. So really do not break routine at all. That, I'm, a, I'm a stickler about that. And that's the number one thing because I'm the same way. Like if you get out of your routine and think of this as anything different, you're just going to not do the job you've been doing all season long. And really, yes, there's more volume, there's more things, but you can't make those more things take you away from the importance, which is the fundamentals of, you know, what you have to put on the air. So you got to stay within rhythm in that regard. Um, He and I both see it that way, which is, which has been great. We'll get we'll get to uh, some of the things that are different, obviously, including more cameras and things like that. But uh, Bill, let me go back to you real quick. So you mentioned that you'll have a meeting day of the broadcast. What would happen for some of my listeners? Obviously, have never been in a production meeting or never probably will enter like a broadcast truck. What happens at that meeting? What do you, what what exists at that meeting at ten o'clock prior to you know your seven thirty broadcast? You know, basically. Um you know, the very first thing I'll do is I'll go through the schedule of the day, make sure everybody's clear on where they need to be, what time they need to be. Um, then I'll go through the uh, opening format, um, you know, from our opening tees with John Williams. We're, we're you know, having John Williams um, using his music of grit and glory again this year with a little bit of a NASA, NASA twist because uh, we're in Houston. But um, we're really looking forward to seeing that again. But, you know, I'll go through the whole open from very beginning to, you know, uh, to the end um, and uh, go through all that. I'll go through halftime. I'll go through post game. Then normally uh, we'll look at all the elements, all the tape roll-ins that we have and and stuff like that. Um, Then I really I throw it to Herbie because, you know, that's the most important part for him to kind of give us his final thoughts on his preparation for the game and what he's looking for in the game. Um, and then I'll end the meeting with how I end every national championship game that, 
something unexpected will happen. I always tell everybody, you know, in these big games, you know, going in, you can prepare like we prepare so thoroughly every time, but there's always something unexpected that will happen in the game that we're not prepared for. And it's how you react to that, which, you know, leads us to a successful broadcast. And I always put that in everybody's head because I just, you know, want everybody to know that, you know, when, when something happens, you got to roll with it and you have to do your job uh, to, to, to make it a successful outcome. So. I appreciate that. That's detailed and interesting. Um, Let me go to you, Jimmy. The, you know, the, I think enough people certainly who've read me have a sense that like, okay, the access that, the main broadcaster has is they get time at practice. So they're able to sort of see the teams. There's production meetings with both teams, usually the head coach and selected players. So let's sort of get into that production meeting. Um, how many people like, will you meet on the Michigan side? How many people will you meet on the Washington side? And like, does the broadcast have um, the ability to like request certain let's say players as opposed to the universities providing you certain players yeah i mean generally we're always going to speak with each head coach offensive coordinator defensive coordinator uh and then from there we we request a starting quarterback and usually like the star defensive player of of that team and usually bill couches it with the sids hey give me the kid that's the most well-spoken or best leader or has a little interesting background that we can weave throughout the broadcast Bill, um, I, I have spoken to many of your equivalents over the years, uh, whether it's you know the NFL or pro basketball or college football, et cetera. And um, the production meetings to me are really, really fascinating because there are some coaches and players who will give you everything and then others who are a little more circumspect. A lot of this has to do with um, the relationship between the lead analyst and like that team or that coach, you know, like uh, – for example, uh, Romo has a great relationship with Bill Belichick, so he probably is going to get more than, let's say, another analyst who's never um, who's never met Bill. I'm sure Troy uh, Aikman and Joe Buck have great relationships with certain coaches, et cetera, et cetera. So from, for this particular broadcast, how would you assess the forwardness of Jim Harbaugh and Kellen DeBoer? I don't know if you've had Washington, Bill. Maybe you've had um, them a little bit. I'm sh- I'm sensing that at least this group over the years has had Michigan at least. So what's your expectation or what have they been in the past, Bill, if you can provide some insight on that? Yeah, so we've we've done several Michigan games in the past when we had the Big Ten, uh, obviously, um, with Chris and Herbie. Um, we ended up be doing – this will be our fifth game with Washington this okay. year. So, so you, yep. you know, Jimmy and I always kid around that we're kind of like the home team broadcasters for Washington. <laughs> We've done so many games. So right. from a matchup standpoint, it couldn't, couldn't have worked out better since, you know, we had just got off doing Michigan in the Rose Bowl, and we've had Washington quite a few times, including the Pac-12 championship. But to answer your question, I mean – you know, to me, Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet are the face and the voice of college football. And, you know, Herbie has tremendous relationships with everybody and including Jim Harbaugh. So, um, you know, Jim's very forthright with us. I mean, you know, we've known Jim for years. Um, there's there's no issue. We, we sit down and, and, and talked with him before the Rose Bowl. Um, 
Kalen DeBoer, uh, you know, it's interesting because he's, you know, fairly new, second season at Washington and everything. But as you said, you know, we've, we've had, we've done several games with him. He's just, a, you know, just a great guy. I mean, he's, uh, you know, uh, really, really um, turned that program in Washington into a, a, you know, a national championship contender. So, um, we, we have nothing but, you know, great relationships with both teams and, and, um, really excited to get in there on Sunday and talk with both of them. Who's a, who's a player bill on both those sides who you've really enjoyed, or at least is really, really good. Like in terms of sort of, uh, yeah, I'm going to start with, um, I'm going to start with Washington. I mean, Penix is, is what a great story he is. Um, you know, coming from Indiana, all the injuries he's had coming back from that and just playing lights out the way he has his deep ball accuracy, his passing, his, you know, running the team. But, you know, I got to tell you, the guy that really popped out for me this season is Dylan Johnson. And the fact that his, you know, he had that right foot injury versus Texas, I think is going to be crucial in this game, uh, whether or not he can play to full tilt because, you know, you know, Washington uses that run game so that Penix can go downfield, um, you know, to those deep receivers and stuff. And, you know, I just think Dylan is a really, really key part of the game for Washington. I really do. On the other side of the ball, you know, I think J.J. is, yeah, what we talked to him before the Rose Bowl. Gosh, what a great guy. I mean, I just you just really want to root for him. Uh, just really, really a, a, a great leader. We had video of him meditating before the Rose Bowl game. He's really locked in uh, to the game and a great leader. can tell he's a great leader. And you can tell that he and Harbaugh have a wonderful relationship and, uh, you know, very close. And just seeing those shots after the Rose Bowl. And then, of course, Jim calling him the greatest quarterback in Michigan history. Um but, uh, you know, I, I, I really, um, really like both teams and the players are just, oh, you know, the players on both teams are just really, you really want to root for them. No, it's a big, big, big praise there by Harbaugh. If you go back in the history of Michigan uh, yeah. quarterbacks, I say you yeah, go, he, go back to the 30s and did. 40s, Jim. I even think Brady backed him up on it, though, too. You yeah. know, it's like, well, Tom, yeah, you know. Tom's, you know, he's, he's, he's yeah. he doesn't want to cause any trouble this week. Um, exactly. Jimmy, let me ask you a question about cameras. Uh, you know, your crack PR staff um, sends out uh, the list of all the different sort of camera elements that will exist for this game. So there's 100 cameras, which, I mean, you can tell me at some at certain point, but obviously it's more than a regular season game, probably infinitely more. But, you know, you have things like there's eight end zone pylon cams. There's um, ref cams, goalpost cams, goal line robotic cams, um, wireless cams. So from your position as the director, like what – let me ask you – let me ask this this way. What does that mean for me as a viewer that you have all of these cameras um, at your disposal that you might not have during a regular season game? So it comes down to officiating the game. At the end of the day, a lot of times television decides uh, how a play uh, goes one way or the other. So when you get to games of this magnitude, you have to add and have some specialty uh, locations and camera positions to make sure that you set yourself up to give and provide the best replay looks if something were, you know, foot in, foot out, touchdown, 
interception fumble, whatever it may be. Um, and that's what a lot of these cameras, right? Like, yes, there are close to 100 cameras. I'm not looking at 100 cameras. Not, no director in America could look at 100 cameras and, and cut a 100 camera show. Um, but you do have a lot of extra stuff that actually does become part of your, um, you know, kind of line cut, I would say, what you actually get, uh, you know, what you're seeing at home. Uh, with a lot of these extra things being, if this situation happens, the replay is probably coming from here and it's going to help us officiate this type of play. Um, so you're covering all your boundary lines, goal lines, those sort of things. Uh, so a lot of that stuff I never even look at. I just make sure it's there, it's working, um, and it's there for replay purposes if we need it. Um, but, you know, we do expand significantly the number of cameras that, um, you know, I have the ability to choose from to tell whatever story is going on uh, within the body of the game. So, um, you know, it's funny because people always always ask me uh, when we're doing these games, like, you know, how, how can you, like, all the replay sources that we have and stuff, like, is, is it more difficult or is it easier like than doing a regular season game where you have maybe half the equipment and stuff. But I always tell everybody that like, you know, to Jimmy's point about officiating the game that the more equipment you have to me, the easier it is because, you know, on smaller equipped games, you're missing stuff. And um, I'm not, not going to say that we might not miss stuff here. You know, hopefully we don't knock on wood, but but the more equipment you have, the less likely you are you're going to miss something. So you you always have that needle in a haystack angle that you need to help officiate the outcome of the game. And you know, um, you know that that's another unique as aspect of this game that we have all this equipment and and hopefully you know this the GIS game will be covered like a glove and we'll have every angle that we need to tell the story and to help officiate the game. Jimmy, I, I want to. Uh stick with you here and bill you feel free to um sort of follow on this because it obviously affects your position as well one of the things about college football that actually makes it that i shouldn't say actually but that makes it great is the crowd shots it, it is a sport that really lends itself to like people in the crowd you know it's young people and they have a lot of expression and a lot of emotion so you either get like the crying fan and that goes viral or you get the celebratory fan that goes viral sometimes you get moments where it's like uh the, the coach's wife or girlfriend is are in the stands, uh, you know, brother or boyfriends, et cetera. Like it, it just, again, it's like a sport that really plays to this, maybe about as much as any sport that's out there. Um, having talked to directors in the past though, there's like that navigation. You don't want to like go too away from the field all the time. So you're sitting on the crowd. Like, you know, you don't want to miss something that's on the field. So from your perspective as a director, and again, somebody who directed the NFL as well, how are you internally navigating that? Because it's a sport, again, where you might get one shot that could be like one of these shots that we see, you know, 20 years later because it's very famous of a, of a fan base, you know, crying at the end of a game or something like that. I think it goes back to one simple philosophy I've had for a long time is every shot has to have purpose within the moment. So you don't want to just cut a crowd shot or even a player shot or a coach shot if there's no purpose in the storyline of what's going on, right? Um, so even if you have a great crowd shot and you're like, oh, that's great, but it doesn't fit the moment, you have to let it fall, right? We let so many things fall anyways because we're doing replays, have other things to show. Um, those things are great when you find them and they fit. But, you know, I think sometimes uh, a lot of people chase trying to find that viral moment. Um, 
and sometimes you miss out what's really important, which is what's on the field documentation wise. So I try to lean really heavily into that and just let that kind of be the guiding principle. And if, if, if the moment is right for a crowd shot and that happens to, to take legs in, in the Twitterverse or X or whatever the heck they call it, all great. But if it doesn't fit, you just got to let it go and you got to stay with, with what matters. Because sometimes one shot for a little bit longer period of time will tell a much better story um, than, some, than something else. And you got to just kind of be you know, guided by that little foundation there and uh, let that help you make your shot selections as you're going throughout the telecast. Bill, do you have a philosophy on as a producer on uh, how much to show a college football crowd? Um, you know, I, 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 I totally agree with what Jimmy just said. I mean, I, you know, as, as far as like, you know, after a touchdown, we like to try to give Jimmy as much time as he can before we get to the replay. Um, and, uh, you know, normally if, if you're in a lucky situation and, you know, uh, late in the game, uh, you know, usually in the fourth quarter, we like to try get, to get all our commercial breaks in so we don't have to go to break. Um, after a touchdown and, and I'll just let Jimmy cut around and wait for the extra point and then come back and replay after that. So I try to give Jimmy as much room as we can during the game to do shots like that. But he's, he's always so great at that. You know, like he's, like he said, I mean, every shot he takes is for a purpose and, and that that's the right way to think about it and do it. So Bill, um, what is the advantage for a game like this of having two sideline reporters versus one uh, I, I will just sort of semi answer it for you in the sense that like um, having talked to again many of your equivalents you try to educate the public but you know it it's it's sometimes it's a tough one so many reporters are your eyes and ears in the truck and a lot of the stuff that they find um, never makes air or it makes air through your broadcasters so my one sense would be it, it certainly just right it gives you more coverage right it gives you two sidelines and it just gives the production that much more eyes on the field than if it's one person there. Yeah. So um, first and foremost, the, the big, with big games like this, we interview both coaches. So we need we need a sideline reporter on each side of the field. I mean, during the season, you know, we just have Holly Rowe, and you know, who's spectacular. And you know, the A plus benchmark for sideline reporters is Holly. So I mean. You know, stuff that she gives us eyes and ears on the field, you know, comes in out of the uh, Wooler in the truck and right into Chris Fowler's ear a lot of times from me. So, um, but, you know, to go back to your question, so so we have two sideline reporters for uh, for each side of the field. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it, it's a real help to have, you know, so obviously Holly will be with Michigan because she worked with Michigan um, at the Rose Bowl and, uh, and um, Molly will be with uh, Washington because uh, she was with Washington in, in New Orleans. So, um, you know, so it, it's, you know, it's great to have both of them. But, you know, they, they know going in that, you know, there's not going to be a ton of time for them. So we we have a lot less like predetermined stories that 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 we bring into the game. It's much more what you said, Richard, about eyes and ears on the bench, in the game, watching the game, and reacting to what's happening on the field, and um, then passing that information along to us, and less about, you know, like 
prepackaged stories and stuff like that. There might be a couple here that are pertinent to the game, but we, we like to really keep it about the game. Yeah. And obviously the, the, the game itself will dictate um, exactly. some of that stuff yeah. too. If it's a blow. Well, we, I always tell them, like, like you said, I mean, it's, 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 you know, you, we have to react to the game. We let the game come to us. Right. That, that's the key. You let the game come to you and then you react and, and, and you know, and, and add your stuff around that. Right. Right. Yeah. It's 63, seven is a different broadcast than 24, 21. That's just the realities of the, of the production. eBay motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive. That's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices... Well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, a couple more here. Um, Jimmy, you can answer this as well. I'm sure Bill will will uh, chime in because a lot of times it's usually – it's it's the uh, in some booths, it's just the producer who talks to the uh, play-by-play person and the analyst. Sometimes it's both the director and the producer. Do Fowler and Herb Street want a lot of conversation from you two, or do they like to – to keep, as they say, traffic quiet. How do they prefer it? I mean, for me, I only, I've always thought my role to talk to announcers was as little as possible. I try to avoid talking to them as much as I can. Now, there's some times where if, you know, let's say we're in a commercial break and, you know, coach is talking to a player who maybe just made something, I'll put it online and just say, check your monitor or something quick like that. But I try to be super minimal. Uh, in that regard, uh, to me, that's 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 Bill's, Bill's lane. So, what about you, Bill? I talk, to, I talk to them quite a bit, Richard. So, um, but when we hit commercial, I like them to talk to themselves, and I listen to them because you know they have conversations that they want to have that they think are important about the last drive or the upcoming drive or elements and stuff like that, or and or like the direction of of where we're going to go. So. I like to listen to them. Herbie's pretty active in the talk back. You know, he and I are constantly, we've worked together for 20 years. So it's, you know, we kind of know each other, you know, know each other pretty well without having to talk. So I like to try to let them have conversations in commercial and we kind of try to keep it, keep it quiet because we know each other so well by now we've worked together so long. And, um, but, uh, um, but when you know when we do need need to talk, uh, you know we're we're definitely uh, in each other's ears and and having conversations. So, um, but it's uh, you know as I said, you know with Harvey and I, we 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 and Chris as well. I mean, you know we worked together so long. It's it's it's, it's almost uh, through um, you know I don't know what do they call it? osmosis. osmosis. Exactly, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the word I was trying to find. Yeah, exactly. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, a couple more. The uh, Just uh, one follow-up on that because that's interesting. When um, Herb Street and Fowler are talking, does every can everyone hear that? Uh, or is it just – is it everybody in the truck? Is it just uh, two silent reporters and you two guys? Or is everybody yeah, – everybody, everybody, can, everybody can hear it except it doesn't go out on the bird. Right, um, of course. Yeah. But everybody can. Everybody in the truck can hear it. And, um, you know, obviously when we're on the air, Herbie will hit the talk back, uh, which only, you know, Jimmy and I and a couple people in the truck can hear. Got it. Um, and Chris. Chris can hit the talk back too. And Holly and, and Molly as well. So – um, but um, when they're talking in commercial, you know, we can all we can all hear. And a lot of times, Richard, to be honest with you, I mean, what happens is, you know, they're looking out, you know, Holly or Molly might say something, you know, you know, the coach might be talking, you know, coach might be talking to the defense or, you know, Penix or JJ might be talking to their offensive line or something and be say, hey, guys, something's going on down there. You know, we should get a camera on that. And, you know, we're, you're like. You know, Harbaugh is upset about something. He's talking to the official. You know, whatever it is, um, you know, we'll we'll point the cameras and watch and have a conversation about that as well too. So, I always tell everybody that, hey, look, you know, even though we're in commercial, we're still working. I mean, the cameras are working, trying to find stuff, and we're talking. And you know, we don't take that time off. It's a time for us to get set and prepared for the next segment. Uh, I got one historical one for Bill, and then we'll we'll finish up uh, on the current stuff. So your uh, the the ESPN bio has something for you, Bill, in there, which I really liked. That that actually maybe they've done stories on this before, but I found this really interesting. So you were a runner for Gifford, Meredith, and Cosell when you first started out in the business. I don't know if you were in college still, but you're obviously very very young at that. Um, you know, this is essentially like an iconic booth. Um, it probably would have been intimidating to be a very, very young person uh, interacting with that booth, particularly Cosell, I would think. Do you have any uh, story that stands out for you as someone who uh, was a booth assistant, again, for one of the most iconic broadcasting trios that we've ever seen? Yeah, so I was I was lucky enough in 1981 to be a runner as a freshman in college. And I was uh, I was a runner um, for a Monday night football game. That's where I first started in network TV um, in Buffalo, New York. It, it was called then Rich Stadium is Buffalo against the Jets. And I was a, um, a booth runner for the stage manager in the broadcast booth. And it was, you know, Howard Cosell, Frank Gifford and Don Meredith, the old classic team. And um what was funny about it is I get there and I'm working and for whatever reason, like Howard is so nice to me and Frank Gifford's so nice to me and Don and, you know, they're almost like, you know, like I always thought the description of the job was I was a runner. I was supposed to get them stuff. And they're like, they're talking to me and say, Hey, is there anything I we can get? You know, I, I couldn't figure it out. Then, then the stage manager came over to me and started laughing and said, they think you're Runeology's son, Ben Arlich. <laughs> Uh, and, and actually that's not, I don't think it was actually Rune Jr. They, they think you're Rune Jr. And, uh, I always thought that was, that was hysterical. So, um, but, uh, that, that was my first memory and my first, my first job is that they, you know, thought I was Rune Arledge's kid. I love it. Um, 
uh, working in the booth. So they were treating me like gold. But, uh, you know, it, it was it was such a thrill at that young age, you know, to work in such an iconic booth like that. And, you know, and, and even if they didn't think I was Rurologist's son, they were just such great guys. And, you know, I had a chance to work with Frank Giffer quite a bit um, later on in my career for Wide World of Sports and stuff like that. But, um, geez, what a way to break in your first network game to work with that iconic booth. That was a thrill for me personally. I love that. Was, that, uh, was that a paid gig or was that, uh, was that gratis? Yeah, I think I got like $25 or whatever oh. it was. All right. You know, well, today, let's if get, we if we fill out the tax form and all I know. that. If we put that in yeah. 2023 terms, Bill, that that's that's 125 bucks. Maybe that's not a bad night for, yeah, exactly. for an 18 year old. Um. All right. Um. And then, Jimmy, I want to ask you one thing about um, last year. You were directing the game that um, Demar Hamlin went down. Correct. Um, correct. I, you know, I, I um. I have no idea if you read this or from me or not, but I, I was um, one of a group of people who really praised that broadcast for being incredibly judicious when, and thoughtful when it came to what they were putting out to the country, basically not speculating and just letting the pictures tell the story as opposed to speculation. Um you had a very significant role that night because it's your cameras that are focused on this stuff. And you had to make split second in real time decisions about how close to get, how not close to get. Um, I know, again, you've done a lot of games, but I wonder if you could just reflect on that because you, 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 you have never had another night like that. I can guarantee as a, as a sports broadcaster director. Yeah. And I hope I never see it again, ever. Um, it goes without saying, but certainly as Bill mentioned uh, early in this podcast that, just spec the unexpected, right? Like, yes. Do you think about and prepare for certain situations? Do you think about, you know, significant injury? Yes, but not of this magnitude, nor how it would kind of transpire and game would not be finished and played and how you kind of navigate that. Um, and I, I, I try to go to really two frames of mind when, when something like that happens. We, my number one school of thought, you know, philosophically on how you do things is just to go slow. You're never in a hurry to get anywhere or go anywhere. So that's my first thing. The second thing I look at is if that was someone I loved, how would I want it covered? So that's kind of the two frames of thought I put my, my, my head in as I'm making shot selections. Like I don't need to be in a hurry. And if that's someone I care about, how do I, what images do I want to show or not show? And there was certainly a significant amount of things that we never showed um, for obvious reasons, um, but that we kept a camera on, which actually helped give us information um, to feed to the booth on things that were going on or have into our tape room should something you know else happen. Um, so it's just those situations where you, you know you reflect on those two things. Um, you know it. Uh, you know, the Rose Bowl was the one-year anniversary of that actually happening. Um, and I even had brought it up in my camera meeting because we discussed, hey, if there's a significant injury, how are we going to do? And a, a lot of the women and men that were, um, you know, on our crew, crew at the Rose Bowl did that game as well with me. Um, so it's just a reminder to all, like, you know, hey, if, if something does happen, A, you know what to do, but B, here's a reminder on on what we need to Make sure we do. Yeah, no. I, as a viewer, I, I appreciated how you guys handled that in 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 unforeseen, if not 
almost impossible circumstance. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, all right, last one for me. I'll start with you, Jimmy, and then you, Bill, can finish. Um, I just want to ask you, Jimmy, what what is success for you? If I was going to just say what 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 would be a successful broadcast on Monday night, and I'm intentionally leaving it open. I'm just working to my level of excellence, um, right? I'm not going to be perfect, um, but can we be excellent? Uh, that's that's my goal, and th- and not just me, right? Because we have a, a team of, you know camera operators, graphics, tape, audio, all of us, we all have to be excellent. Um, and I think it just starts with the tone you set um, and, and just kind of doing what you did week one and carrying that on through. So if we can you know, rise to a level of excellence, knowing we won't be perfect, then we walk out of there going, you know what, we just put on a really nice telecast for those at home. Same question for you, Bill. Well, I've, I've never walked out of the truck uh, saying, wow, that was a perfect broadcast. I, I wish I could, um, but that never happens. But I, I think success is not missing something that's, you know, important to uh, the teams or the game uh, that would take away from the moment of them winning the national championship. I think that that would be success. Um, and, um, and, and, you know, I, I, I know that we're prepared, ready to go. And, um, and we'll do everything in our power to have a great broadcast. So um, I also want to wish Jimmy a happy birthday, Richard. Oh, wow. Um, he's celebrating his birthday today. So I know he's going okay. he's gonna to be mad at me for. Jimmy, <laughs> yeah, I know. Jimmy, I can't believe you, uh, you know, you've, you've decided to uh, spend your birthday with this. With this podcast. Isn't that what you do as you get older, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, Birthdays you are. Work. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, is there anything else that you guys wanted to add that I didn't ask you? Uh, I should say, I mean, if you want to sort of, is, is this venue unique for you two in any way? In, in whether it's camera positions, whether it's, it's, I don't know, a modern stadium. But it feels like you've worked in all of these stadiums and they usually are all kind of uniquely workable, right, for your kind of production? Yeah, it's an NFL stadium, so it's set up like everything we're used to. Uh, yeah. So there's nothing really out of the norm or you know, challenging or difficult from that standpoint. Can I make one pitch, Richard, though? Sure, please. And I'm, I'm with Herbie on this. Uh, let's have every national championship game at the Rose Bowl. I'll second that. Yeah. Well, as Jimmy, as a, uh, I mean, for both of you, as a, as a person who works in images, there's no better image than the sun going down at the Rose Bowl and – you can maybe Record argue in sports, room. and then oh, obviously oh it's so historic. Rick, Rick, yeah. At two o'clock, you know, it, and I'm talking Pacific time. Two o'clock is a perfect time to kick at the Rose Bowl because by the third quarter, you're talking about Magic Hour in the San Gabriel Mountains, and you know when it's a, you know a game like we had, you know, last Monday is just what a great place. In the in the Rose Bowl, people are so great to work with, and it's such a great stadium and such a great look. It's just 
let's have every national championship game. Let's make the Rose Bowl the national championship game every year. Listen, Bill, it's a great pitch, but you're probably going to run into some issues with your sales and programming department because they there is a reason <laughs> that games, as you both know, are in uh, – are in prime time, but yeah, that that is a that is a beautiful. Uh, when you see that setting, particularly as the sun's going down, you you think college like it brings you back to Keith Jackson and all these like iconic college football moments. And I agree with you, you you both. I, I I'm sort of even going through my head. I mean, you know, Notre Dame Stadium is sort of iconic and interesting, and obviously the Army Navy games are amazing. But I, I think that's the best. That's the that's the best venue for college football at that time. So I wish I wish that could be the case. I think semifin I think maybe your semifinals though could could maybe always once upon a time be there. That's possible it feels like, right? I think the quarterfinals next year. Quarterfinals um, next year? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Right, well, finals well, later in January. Burke Magnus and Jimmy Pichard, they're going to have you do all 12 games, guys. You're just, just <laughs> I'm ready. Let's go. Fly Let's on go. the con- fly on the Concord to get to to make sure yeah. that you make all these venues. All right, let me uh let me Give these guys brief um, their bios, although they're not very beef, but brief. But uh, Bill Bonnell is the coordinating producer of ESPN, and again, he's the lead producer for ESPN's um, uh, national championship game. He is the producer for ABC Saturday Night Football. Essentially, is uh, um, does all their uh, major games. Although ESPN actually has a lot of major games, so it's not always just one team. And Jimmy Platt will be directing his first college football national championship, which is pretty awesome after his uh, very distinguished career. And as I mentioned at the top, he was on Monday Night Football uh, and has done all sorts of sports from men's and women's college basketball to MLB uh, to the NFL. Uh, Jimmy and Bill, thank you very much uh, for giving me some time. I know this is a very, very busy week for you guys, but, um, but I appreciate what you do. And there are a lot of people out there interested in it. You have very unique jobs. Um, and, um, you know, it's while well, most people will sort of like, you know, recognize, oh, there's Chris Fowler's done his this many national championships or, oh, Kirk Herbstreit's does this many. You know, you, you guys are one of the few people on earth who have been able to produce and direct a college football national championship game. That that is a number under 20, like lifetime. So it's pretty uh, I, I, it's pretty cool to uh for you guys to um, give me a sense of your experience. And thank you very much for joining me today on the Sports Media Podcast. Thank you, Richard, for having us. Appreciate it. Thanks, Richard. It's always great spending time with you. Thank you. All right, back in the studio. My thanks to Bill and Jimmy. Uh, They're excellent, uh, unsurprisingly so. And uh, you'll be watching them in action in, uh, in the National College Football Championship. I expect it to be a very good game. You're listening to this before the game uh, is over. Uh, I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be tight. I think Michigan will win, but I think it's going to be a tight game. Prior to uh, these gentlemen, Hubie Brown, uh, who was an absolute treat on this broadcast, the ESPN NBA analyst, uh, we had a roundtable with Chad Finn and Austin Carp about uh, 2024 sports media predictions. Richie Zions and Rich Russo, Fox's top producer and director for the NFL, were on this podcast on December 21st. So we're getting some behind-the-scenes people in the business, which uh, I think, as you know, I love. Uh, Fabian Ardaya was on this podcast to talk about what it's like when Shohei Otani comes to your team. Laura Rutledge on this podcast in December, as well as Ernie Johnson of Warner Brothers Discovery slash Turner. Again, if you like these kind of conversations, please leave us a review and a nice note. That is how this podcast continues. I want to thank Patrick Antonetti for all his hard work. Thanks to everybody at Odyssey for their support. And thank you for listening. We'll see you soon on the Sports Media Podcast.
I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.